unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Coming up on this episode, we're going to delve into college basketball broadcasters, Adam Eaton and Eric Lopez. We did a uh, breakout of the football commentators. Now we set our sights on college basketball. Adam and Elo are in the virtual green room. They will join us in just a couple of moments. First, though, we talk about Tiger Woods, who miraculously survived a horrific automobile accident out in Los Angeles last week. Certainly made all the headlines, and of course, all the hot take artists had to go on about whether he would play again and even whether he would win another major. <laughs> That's why I hate the hot take situation. Um, first of all, just glad he's okay. He didn't lose his life. It uh, got the honor, was honored rather, I would say, by the players that wore red and black on Sunday. But Tiger, I think you can afford a full-time driver. That's, you can just go leave that right there. And rest in peace to the great Irv Cross, former Ram and Eagle, who really went to bigger fame on the set of the NFL today. He was the first black man to be part of a NFL national studio show. And, of course, he, along with Brent Musburger, Jimmy the Greek, Phyllis George, set the gold standard for NFL pregame shows that I think is still the gold standard today. Irv Cross was the the ex-player perspective on that program, and uh, all accounts was he was the greatest gentleman. Nobody really says anything bad about Irv Cross. And again, he was part of something that is a, a, an amazing legacy with the NFL Today pregame show. And yes, NFL pregame shows now are just all about opinion and 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 especially the ones on on NFL Network and ESPN that go for hours. <laughs> Those things are way too long. And so they fill airtime with a lot of nonsense. So the NFL Today, the original on CBS, still the greatest NFL pregame show there ever was. And rest in peace to Irv Cross. He was 81. And time now to do a breakdown of college basketball broadcast teams with March Madness soon upon us. We did this back earlier in the year with Adam Eaton and Eric Lopez on football broadcasters. Now we set our sights on the college hoops guys. So once again, my pleasure to welcome Adam Eaton and Eric Lopez to the Jeff Allen Sports Talk Podcast. And first, we say hello to Eric Lopez. He's with Black and Gold Banneret, covers the Magic Renews 24-7, and a little softball play-by-play for ESPN Plus ELO. Great to have you here. It's great to be back with you, Jeff. Uh, always a pleasure talking uh, basketball and broadcasting, two of my favorite things. Yes, absolutely. And from the Sons of UCF, in not only podcast form, but also a live streaming show on Thursday nights, uh, wherever you uh, watch your streaming content 
we have Adam Eaton. Adam, thanks again for being here. Jeff, always a pleasure to be back with you and ELO talking broadcasting, talking hoops, talking everything in between. You guys are always fun. Looking forward to it. All right. So uh, let's get to it, shall we? And we will start with the four-letter network and kind of go through uh, more of their most consistent uh, tandems for calling college hoops. And we'll start off with Sean McDonough and Jay Billis. Of course, we talked a lot about Sean McDonough back when we did our football breakdown. And he's certainly a pro's pro. I think he brings a great excitement to calling play-by-play. And he's been part of really, you know, Big Monday for a very, very long time. Jay Billis, um, you know, certainly is their their top analyst. Uh, You know, Jay Billis can be a little sanctimonious sometimes when it comes to his opinions, uh, which, you know, uh, can come off a little snarky. But uh, by and large, I like him quite a bit. He just definitely knows his stuff and uh, knows the game of college basketball. Adam, we'll throw it to you first for your uh, comments on this tandem. Yeah, I like McDonough a lot. Uh, again, I think he's got, you know, the the chops to do play-by-play. I think he certainly has the, the knowledge and the rhythm. I like that he's not afraid to be a little bit snarky at times. He's got a little bit of a quick wit, a, kind of a sharp tongue. But, he, you know, he can play the straight man as well, and I think that's helpful. I think he plays really well with Billis because they, I think they kind of have a very similar personality in that respect. Um, I don't know if I'm the minority. I like Billis a lot, actually. I don't know if I'm the, the minority on that. Um, I, obviously, I think he – He's not afraid to be a little self-deprecating, which I think is great. I mean, he doesn't act like he had the best career in, in college and the pros because obviously he didn't. Um, you, you're certainly right. He can he can be a, a tad controversial, but, you know, I like that he's not just going to be a mouthpiece for the NCAA and the network. I like that he's going to challenge certain things. Obviously, we know he's a Duke guy, but he doesn't seem like he's afraid to go at anybody and, and tackle any topic. I think he's as sharp as it comes with X's and O's. And for me, this is kind of a, a weird quirk I have, but, uh, you know, in my basketball announcer specifically I like to know they put in the work and I know that Bill is puts in the work and now he works with guys in USA basketball I know he's involved with a lot of different things uh, so I think his his opinion is credible uh, I think he offers good value good insight uh, obviously he's ESPN's top guy for a reason um, so I really like this tandem together I think again they have a lot of similarities um, and I appreciate the the knowledge the professionalism and just a little bit of snark uh, sprinkled on top absolutely Eric your thoughts I'm a, I'm with Adam. I like Bill. I actually this is my favorite crew. My favorite college basketball crew of all time is them two with Bill Raftery. Remember that back in the Big East days yes. uh, when the Big East people cared about the Big East. Not now, where like nobody knows what's on when it's on, except for when Villanova's playing. Um, <laughs> that's the three man booth that to me is the favorite. That's my favorite three man booth, and it's because and you bring it up, Jeff. Raftery was the one that would give Billis a hard time and see, and I think you know, loosen up Billis. Whereas when Billis is by himself, yes, he's self uh, You know, he's kind of he'll take make fun of himself, but there's not that foil. Sean McDonough, what makes him great is he's kind of he'll play the foil role. Uh, other broadcasters that Billis is set up with don't really go as in depth on the foil like Sean does. I personally, if it was up to me, I would have Sean as the voice of college basketball on, ES, on ESPN. But I, I enjoy him and Billis. I, I think they're great. Part of the ACC package there, obviously for them. So uh, I, I give them high grades. 
All right. So uh, next we move to Bob Wischusen and Fran Fraschilla. This is a, uh, you know, uh, Wischusen is, of course, uh, mostly known for his uh, uh, college football work, uh, NFL play-by-play. Um, and Fran Fraschilla, I like him a lot. I think he's, he, he's definitely uh, good at uh, breaking down the game, giving you some, uh, some insight behind the X's and O's, which, which an ex-coach is generally should be good at. Um, Eric, we'll get your thoughts first on this tandem. Frischilla is fantastic. I mean, I, I can't think of Big 12 basketball without Fran Frischilla. I mean, he's, that's kind of been his shtick. That's been his role. And he loves the Big 12. Um, and I think him and Wischusen's great. Wischusen's great. Uh, he, he, you know, obviously does the Jets for the radio on the NFL. is a great voice. Uh, so I think they do a good job, you know, Big 12 games. Obviously, it's unique because... You know, Frischilla gets kind of a short stick because sometimes if the game is too big, Jay Bill is kind of jumps in on that. You know what I mean? And even Vitell sometimes. But I think Frischilla is fantastic. From an X's, if you love X's and O's, I think Frischilla is the best at it right now. Adam. Same. I agree. I think Frischilla puts in the work. Um, I think he's particularly great. He's kind of the, the go-to guy from the NBA coverage for the European League players. He's got a ton of insight. He adds a ton of value there. So you know he watches tape. You know he watches film. He, I think you know he studies these guys. Former coach, obviously, so I think he takes that coach mentality. Uh, obviously, Billis wasn't really a coach. He was assistant on Duke for a couple of years, I guess, but obviously his, his law practice has probably covered most of his time. But I enjoy that Frischilla, you know, I think looks at the game from that standpoint. Um, and I think he's great, too. He's, he's also one of those guys it's such a weird conundrum because sometimes you wonder to yourself if you don't know who the play-by-play guy or who the color guy is is that good or bad and and that's kind of where you get with Frischilla is he's not he doesn't stand out he's not going to do the you know the dipsy do dunkaroo type stuff but he's also not going to be a completely like listening to paint dry he's somewhere in between I think he's solid I think if you're a basketball fan he's a great announcer for you if you're a casual basketball observer and your first ever college basketball game Frischilla is not for you you need Vital, you need Rafter, you need some some juice in that broadcast. But if you're a, a basketball person, somebody who enjoys the game, Frischilla is your guy. And with Shusen, again, another solid broadcaster. I think he's great in the NFL as well. Um, he's definitely versatile in that respect. Um, I think he does a great job with Frischilla. Um, and it's a, it's a really solid crew. It's never going to get the sexy headline, right? They're never going to be, you know, the on a billboard anywhere. But I think if you like college basketball, these two guys, if they're on the game, you're going to get a quality broadcast every time. All right, we move to Carl Ravage and Jimmy Dykes. Of course, it's hard not to think baseball when Carl Ravage is involved because of his uh, longstanding work with the, the four-letter on, uh, on that particular sport. Uh, but, you know, play-by-play, I think he's, you know, I, I think he kind of checks the boxes of, you know, taking care of the basic stuff. Jimmy Dykes, uh, you know, pretty much, uh, you, know, uh, you know, he does a lot of SEC assignments. Uh, I like Jimmy Dykes. I think he brings a nice personality to the broadcast. Definitely knows his knows knows his stuff. Um, Adam, what are your thoughts on this group? Yeah, I listen. I like Ravage as a as a media uh, personality. I, I do have a hard time adjusting to his voice on college basketball. He doesn't do anything wrong, so I don't want to take this as like a shot at him. But I hear that voice, and I'm expecting baseball tonight. And I'm expecting where's where's Tim Kirkjian? Where's Buck Martinez? Like I'm I'm waiting for those guys to come out. So I have a hard time adjusting to him in college basketball. Um, 
he doesn't do anything wrong. I think you, you hit it on the head, Jeff. Serviceable broadcaster hits the high points, gets you the score and the time, gets in the commercials, and does the promos really well, knows the names of the players. But I just have a hard time disassociating him with, um, you know, with the with the baseball coverage. And I, I wonder if this is part of the sort of the ESPN ethos of late, where you know, obviously they, they've had through um, you know some 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 layoffs recently. They've they've let off a bunch of guys. Is this kind of those things where they had a gap and they had to fill a person in? Is this kind of where you? start to see some of the layoffs permutated through their coverage. Um, nothing against Ravage. I just, I don't see him as a college basketball guy. Jimmy Dex is great. I mean, I appreciate the, the fact that he brings candor. He did a broadcast recently, um, obviously remote, where he had no shirt on for a while, uh, which was both appalling and funny at the same time. So I appreciate that he's willing to push the envelope a little bit. Good basketball mind. Um, I don't know if I think him and Ravage are a great fit together per se. Um, and, and I think that's probably less, less about Jimmy Dykes and just more about the amount of time they get together. Uh, again, I like Ravage. I just, I struggle a little bit and, and it's my own hang up because I just expect, you know, I expect Kim, Tim Turchin is sitting next to him. And when it's Jimmy Dykes, it's a bit jarring at times. Eric? Well, I think to add on to what Adam's saying, I think part of it too is Jimmy Dykes and, and Ravage, that feels like a placeover, a, a, yeah. a placeholder, because when it gets to the big SEC games and when we get to the SEC tournament in the final, Dick Vitale is going to call the game with Ravage. And I think the reason why Ravage is in that role is with Vitale's personality, you need a play-by-play guy that's basically willing to defer and basically let Vitale be Vitale, but at the same time, control you know describe what's going on and ravage because of his experience as a studio guy can do that so i actually think ravage's value comes with vitel more so than dykes so it's an odd team to kind of figure because really they only do sec games when vitel's not doing it <laughs> so and, and they're not going to call the sec championship game and I don't know if we're going to get into this or not, but if you look at the pandemic, in my opinion, the biggest winner has been Dick Vitale because because of the pandemic, a lot of the broadcast crews are not traveling, and that has benefited Vitale because before the pandemic, they were limiting him as far as schedule. You don't want, you know, not traveling that much. So it limited how many games he could do. With this kind of current climate, I think Vitel basically has done multiple games a week and do, has done more marquee games this year than he has in the past because Billis is, is traveling more so than Vitel, who will not travel. So I actually think Vitel's benefited, but that's been at Jimmy Dykes' expense because it feels like almost every Kentucky game on Tuesday night is done by Vitel. So uh, that's why... This is a hard team to, to, to kind of figure because they don't do as many games, and when they do, it's not usually a marquee game. All right, next up uh, we'll talk about Dave Pash and Bill Walton. And, you know, to me, when, the, when this broadcast happens, it's the Bill Walton show, plus you know, we got a couple of college teams playing basketball. Uh, I think ESPN's gone a little overboard with the Bill Walton shenanigans. Um, you know, I thought Walton was great back in his days at NBC with Steve Snapper Jones doing the NBA uh, because you, you you had a good yin and yang there. But uh, but this broadcast to me is almost unwatchable, uh, which to me is a shame because I think and we talked about it a lot during the football conversation we had. Dave Pash is a terrific play-by-play guy, and I feel you know he's quite diminished in this role of having to play the straight man to all of Walton's. Uh, uh, buffoonery, if you will. Uh, Eric, 
What's your thoughts? It's the most fascinating broadcasting because this is a this is a broadcasting that people either hate, despise, or enjoy. Right? There's no in between on this one. <laughs> and I've read a lot about this because I'm a huge Dave Pash fan, and it and I think it's worth pointing out. Him and Walton are very close friends. It's not like they were forced into each other. It's not like there's any animosity there. And I think it's a credit to Pash because I don't think that works with other guys. In other words, it, it is. I mean, Bill is definitely way over the top. I don't know why, because you're right. He used to not be this way early on. That being said, I kind of like it. And I feel like the Pac-12 is the perfect place to do it. Like, that that would not work in other leagues. Like, I don't think you could do that in a Big 12, an ACC, or a, a top 10 matchup. But those two have great chemistry, and Pash does a good job of, yes, we're going to have our humor and entertainment, funny bits, but we're also going to still talk basketball. And Bill knows when it's really serious, he does jump in serious. Uh, but I like the comedy. I think they have both have great chemistry. I think Pash makes it work like no other. So I, I give them a ton of credit. I don't mind it because... Uh, if I'm watching a game at 10 o'clock at night, UCLA and Oregon, and you know, it, I'll be honest with you, I'm listening. I, I would probably listen more than I would a normal broadcast just because I have no idea what Bill's going to say, and I don't know how Dave's going to react, but it's fascinating uh, at the same time. And I think it really does add – I think that what they're shooting for is it grabs maybe a casual person or two talking about the Pac-12. Now, that being said, people like you don't like it. Some people like me do like it. I'll be curious what Adam, where he falls under that. But it, it gets people talking one way or the other. All right, Adam, you're the tiebreaker. Yeah, here we go. So uh, I think this group works because of Dave Pash. And one of the things I admire the most is you can tell to Eric's point, there's a genuine, a genuine, um, you know, care and respect between those two. And, and not that you don't have that between a lot of groups, but you can tell that that Pash and, and Walden have a good rapport, a good relationship. I think that comes across on camera. I think that's really exciting to see. Uh, so I, I admire Pash for that. I agree with Eric in the Pac-12, you know, after dark time slot, I think this is the perfect chance to take uh, sort of a risk with your broadcast. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get, you know, probably some good, some bad, but I think it's a good opportunity to take a risk. Having said all that, I can't stand it. I just can, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot do it. I, here's my problem. Like I, I, to your point, Eric, I grew up listening to Steve Snapper Jones and Bill Walden on those, you know, those NBC broadcasts every Sunday afternoon. And so it, it's just interesting to me that Walden has just turned himself into a caricature of himself. Right. And you want, was that his personality all along? Is he kind of playing to some sort of a, a script, a model? Obviously, he's clearly sort of an outside-the-box thinker. Um, I don't, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think he's you know, playing a card there. But for me, sometimes, like, it, you know, it, it feels like I'm li I would listen to those two as a podcast because I think it'd be interesting. And then I would have watched a basketball game. I don't want them together. And I guess that's my, that's my thinking. If they were not watching basketball together, if I was just watching a podcast, a YouTube show, I'd probably be entertained because Pash is a straight guy. They probably want to talk about peanut butter and jelly and Walton's going off on a tangent about, you yeah. know, big sky country, right? Perfectly entertaining. When there's a basketball game on, like, get out of the way. I want to see who scored that game, who has any fouls, what's going on with the coaching situation. Why is that ref calling that play? That, that's what I want to hear. I just don't like the two mixed together. It's interesting, though. You're right. I, I'm surprised they haven't done a podcast together. And, I'm, you know, there's money to be made there. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm not as bothered by it because I'm not as invested in the Pac-12. So I really don't care when Cal's playing Arizona. But yet, because of those two, 
they make me interested. Like I wouldn't watch Cal in Arizona is if it's Roxy Bernstein and Bill Wall, but because those two make it work, and Dave's such a great play-by-play caller, I'm intrigued by it. It's kind of like I'll, I'll give you an. It's like you, Adam and Mike. You know, you two have that chemistry on the show. I don't know if you two, if Mike would work with me, for example, if Mike did the show with me on a podcast. I don't know if that would work. The fact that you two are genuine friends, I think it rubs off on the show. And I think with Dave and Bill, it's the same thing. I feel like it, their friendship rubs off on the broadcast where you know there's that wink-wink going on. And there is some basketball in there. And again, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to hear them call a North Carolina Duke game. And I do think it's partly character with Walton because he does know basketball. It's not like he doesn't. He knows. Yeah. I think for whatever reason, he's decided to go this route to go on this extreme. And clearly the producers are behind it because they wouldn't have put him on the air if they weren't. And they feel that it works because otherwise they wouldn't put him together. So it's, it's very fascinating. Well, to me, this seems, this seems like an ESPN Plus show in the making, right? Like the week yeah. leading up to the game, all the pregame stuff, the coach interviews. I think this would be a tailor-made like, you know, ESPN Plus show. Even if they did the broadcast live as like an alternate screen situation, one of those ESPN megacast deals. I think if you, to your point, Eric, I don't think this would play Duke, North Carolina. I think you'd have everybody up in arms and you'd have ESPN.com just in a, in a revolt. But if you did it as a second screen, I think you'd get some viewers that way. I guess that's there's a time and a place for them. I guess sometimes if they're the main thing for the game. And to your point, I'm you know admittedly I'm not up all the time. You're watching Pac-12 After Dark, but in the in the snippets I catch on the Saturday games when they're on, it is it is a tad cringeworthy. But I do think there's something there for these two. I just it's curious they haven't figured out how to market that better. Well, clearly it's polarizing based on the conversation we're having here right now yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, you know, to me, it, it's almost one of those things though where ESPN kind of takes a a, a a little bit of a good thing and tries to it just tries to blow it up to an extreme. But again, you know, the the point is taken. They uh, they definitely are a polarizing. It's definitely uh, it's it's definitely a truck. If that if, if you ask me. Which crew would you want to be behind the scenes to see how it works? That's the crew I would pick. I would want to be in there, how they make it work behind the scenes. I'm very intrigued by it. It, it reminds me, Eric, I think you're a fan of Levitard as well. It, it's got a yes, Levitarian yes. kind of quality to it yes, where yes. either you get the show or you don't get the show. That's a right? great point. No, that's a if great you comparison. Get, if you get the show, you get Walden Pash. But everybody else who tunes in or tuned in, you know, weekdays at 10 a.m. for sports talk and was like, why are we listening to Ron McGill? That's right. essentially what Walden and Pash are. You point. either get the show or you don't get the show. That's a great way of describing it. I think that's a great comparison. I agree with that. All right. And then going to one of uh, ESPN's uh, prime uh, teamings, of course, we've already talked about Jay Billis, but he's also teamed up uh, with Dan Schulman, who is uh, definitely one of the best play-by-play guys in the business, bar none, in my opinion. Um, yeah, yeah, I know with Dan Schulman, you know, he just has that great ease, whether he's doing baseball, whether he's doing basketball, he knows how to punch it up when the moment's right. Uh, he's a guy I really, really like. And again, with his uh, pairing with Billis, he, he's able to, to play that role much like Sean McDonough does with, uh, with Jay Billis. Adam, what's your thoughts? I'm going to say four words I never thought I'd say in my life. I love Dan Schulman. Uh, he's just, he's a quality broadcaster. I mean, I, when he's on a game, you know, again, it's one of those deals where you get lost in the game, you get lost in the noise, and you forget who's the announcer. And I, I think you'd, you'd, you have to understand or think to yourself, what's important to me? Do I want to know who, do I care who's announcing or do I care about the game? With Schulman, he's doing a great job and you don't even notice. And I think that's the hallmark of a great broadcaster. He makes it look effortless. You know, to your point, he's, he's great on, on baseball. 
baseball. I he certainly I certainly miss him on Sunday night baseball. I think the the Vassurgeon and, and A Rod booth is a different story, but I miss him on Sunday night baseball. Quality broadcaster, whether he's with you know Billis or Vital, which is tough to do by the way. Two completely different people, and he's got to pull it off both times, and it's seamless either way he does it. Uh, so I, I think Shulman's fantastic. I think he's one of the top notch broadcasters. Uh, I know obviously he stepped away from the baseball stuff. Glad to see him involved in, in college hoops still. I think he's uh, he's one of the signature voices of the game. Elo. I agree with everything he says there. I think Shulman and McDonough are the top two play-by-play college hoops guys there that I like. Uh, I hope we do this in the summer for baseball because we got a lot to cover in baseball because he brings up a great point about Shulman. I actually like him more in baseball. Uh, and I do think he's missed in Sunday Night Baseball. I enjoy his radio call. I think he's fantastic. And I'm actually excited because um, the Blue Jays, I know I'm going off script here, but the Blue Jays are playing the season to start the year in Dunedin. So there's a chance that we're going to get uh, some of the Blue Jay games on the regional sports networks here in Florida and get to hear Shulman because they've been airing Raptor games here in Central Florida on tape delay because they're playing in Tampa. It's very bizarre. So if you're a Dan Shulman fan, keep that in mind. You might get some Dan Shulman here regionally with the Blue Jays starting their season in Dunedin. But I think he's great basketball. I think Adam makes a great point. He make, Him and Vitell are great, and he, and, he, and he adapts to him, and he can adapt to Billis. And I think that's why he's, at, he's the top voice for them, and rightfully so. I'm a McDonough guy, but again, that's – that's 1A, 1A, B. That's like, you're, you're, you know, that's not a huge, you know, big difference there. And, of course, you, know, you talked about uh, him teaming with Vital, and I'm wondering if that's his punishment for giving up Sunday Night Baseball, is having to work with Vital. Um, Yikes. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> so, with Vital to be, you know, again, I do not want to diminish what he has meant to the game of college basketball because, you know, God knows there's never been a bigger cheerleader for the sport, and, and God bless him for that. I think as a basketball analyst, he gives zero analysis during the game. It's all shtick. It's 100% shtick. And it's, oh, I love I love Calipari. Hey, well, I think that's been the last handful of years. I yeah, agree yeah, with you. I, yeah. It's been a last handful of years there. And I think real quick – ESPN's not going to let him go. He's going to call his shots on that. I think yes. it's now, what, 40-some years. And he's a huge reason why, you know, he, he was a huge big part of college basketball and the growth of ESPN coverage in college basketball. So I think that it's him and Corso, Lee Cor- both of them. ESPN, is that, that they have a, that they're going to get a pass. They're going to go as long as they want. I don't think ESPN, regardless of if you feel that their, you know, their quality has dropped. Adam, your thoughts? Uh, it's, it's tough to watch, uh, the star age in front of you, right? We see it every year in sports when the star quarterback gets a couple years older, you know, the star basketball player gets a little older and you, you watch him age before your eyes. And it's kind of painful because you remember the glory days. Vital just flatly is not a great broadcaster, but he's a great event guy. And that I think is what he does for ESPN. When you are, even if you're 19, 20 years old, these kids know who he is. They know Dixie, Dixie do Dunkaroo, right? They know, you know, uh, spectacular baby. They know all that stuff. You know, they want to take pictures with him. They want him calling their games. Uh, so he's a good event broadcaster. And I think you just have to know that going in, you're, you're not going to get sharp analysis. You're going to get an event 
event and and he's going to make things a little bit bigger. He's going to be kind of the MC, if you will, of the event. I think he's taxing for a play-by-play guy and you got to respect, again, the Shulmans and, and, and the other guys who work with him week in and week out, um, Ravage as well, because he, you know, he certainly has a different lane, a different rhythm to get used to. And Eric's right. He's going to write his ticket at ESPN. He kind of gives me that, a little bit of that Chris Berman vibe too, where, you know, he's, he's legendary, you know, but he's aging in front of your eyes. He's not as sharp as he used to be. Uh, so curious to see what ESPN does, you know, if he scales back a schedule for all I care about for Vital is just keep him out of the studio. They used to roll him in for the selection show on ESPN. Yet he just every year just set your watch to him yelling at some team being left out. Oh, they're being, not going to do that. You it, know they're not going to do it. Adam. And being the most <laughs> egregious thing ever. Nineteen year. Give the little guy a chance. Give the little guy a chance. I don't every understand. year. Yeah. Every year he railed against a team. It was Syracuse. It was Valparaiso. It was Uwe Pui. Whoever he found his team. Keep him out of the studio. He's an event guy. He's not really a play-by-play guy. He's not a broadcast guy. Know it going into it, and you'll be fine. If you expect other, that's probably on you then. And he also might be one of the most imitated people in sports. <laughs> he might. He might. I think the three of us all pulled that off in a five-minute span there. You better believe it, baby. <laughs> there you go. I think Jeff was the best, though. No offense, Eli. I think Jeff did a really good job. A oh, I agree. Good impression. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that. Uh, so let's uh, move to a more uh, serious uh, topic. Jason Benetti and Robbie Hummel. I think this is an unheralded team, but I think it's one of their best. Uh, Jason Benetti, I think, is, is tremendously solid as a play-by-play guy. Great rise, sense of humor. And Robbie Hummel, the former Purdue star, I think is, is, is a golden star on the rise. I think his uh, analysis is spot on. He's not very far removed from the game, so I think he has a lot of good insight as, as far as what today's college kids are, are feeling and, 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 and how they play. Um, let's get your thoughts, Eric, on, on that tandem. It's a good tandem. The the tricky thing is they don't work as as much because a lot of times Dockage, Dan Dockage is working with Benetti. Hummels does some Big Ten stuff, uh, I believe, as well on the side. Yes, he's done some yes. Big Ten. So he's kind of split. He's one of those that's split with two networks. He also does a podcast with Jeff Goodman, which is very good. So he's fantastic. I, I enjoy Robbie Hummel. I agree with you. It's just a question of... I don't know where his final destination is. I don't know if he's long-term ESPN or is he going to be a Big Ten guy long-term or does he go Fox at some point? That remains to be seen, but he's very good. And I'm a huge Benetti fan. I think he's fantastic in every sport. Uh, I love the story with Benetti. I hope to meet him one day, but I think he's fantastic. And, um, you know, I, I think he everything he calls is fantastic. You know, Adam, for a second, I thought Eric was going to say he had met Jason Benny. Because he's <laughs> I know. <laughs> Elo's – do we have still – do we still have Rolodexes? Because if so, Elo's Rolodex is <laughs> um, uh, Benetti uber-talented, right? I mean, obviously, he does White Sox games. He does college, bas- uh, college basketball, college football. Yeah, a lot of us uh, – a lot of people listening to us probably listen to our UCF coverage. You've heard Benetti call some UCF games. He gets polarizing, right? He'll drop a couple Central Floridas in there. And, you know, he can be a little bit, you know, group of five type stuff. So, I know he can rub UCF. CF fans the wrong way, but to be fair, we're uber sensitive anyway. Uh, but I think he's super talented. I think he's uh, he's a rising star in the business. Um, I, I like Robbie Hummel, but as I went through your list and, and you sent it in advance, Jeff, I, I found myself trying to figure out like what 
when's the last time I saw Robbie Hummel <laughs> and what game was he calling and what, 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 what night is he on? And to Eric's point, what network is he on? I had to really do some research just to get up on my Robbie Hummel knowledge. Um, and, and so I, I think Elo has got a point. I think he's super talented. There are a couple of times I've caught him. Um, I would crystal ball this as he won't be at ESPN much longer. To me, Eric, he, had, he strikes me as a guy who's destined for Fox at some point. I don't know why I think that, uh, but I think as Fox continues to get into some of the college basketball stuff, obviously I, I think uh, Hummel's got some Big Ten ties. I know, uh, I know Fox and the Big Ten Network often have a lot of synergy together. Um, so I'm going to crystal ball Hummel to Fox. I think he's solid, though. I think he's a rising star. I think he'll be a good play-by-play guy uh, or color guy um, down the road. Yeah, and of course, you know, Jason Benetti, the one thing I did love about him was during the, uh, the, the 2017 season, he did say uh, that UCF should be in the college football playoff. I thought he was going to get removed from the broadcast the moment he said that, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, that's a good parry there. Uh, next one is uh, Reese Davis and John Crispin. I can't really give you a whole lot on John Crispin myself. Uh, I haven't seen him a whole heck of a lot. Uh, but Reese Davis, of course, can probably make any guy that uh, works alongside him uh, be very good because that's what Reese Davis does. He's great at setting up people and uh, does an excellent job no matter what he does. Uh, Adam, let's get your thoughts on this team. I mean, Reese, uh, Reese is smooth, right? He's just a smooth broadcaster. Everything he does, you know, he's professional, hits the hard outs and gets the commercials in, knows the players' names, moves the conversation along. I mean, he's just, you know, he's, he's 1A of the professional broadcasters that are out there. Um, I find him weird on college basketball, though, and it's, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like Eric had earlier, like, we need someone to fill in tonight. Who can, who can do play-by-play? Oh, let's call Reese. And he's always there and ready to do play-by-play. I'm not saying he's not good at it, but it just kind of feels like he's miscast in a, in a play-by-play role. Um, Crispin is solid. I mean, again, he, he's one of those names that you, know, you probably have to watch a bunch of the game and ask yourself finally, who's doing the play-by-play here? Um, nothing stands out where you go, oh, my goodness, this guy's got great insight. But he's also not over the top like a, like a Vital or a Raftery. He's somewhere down the middle. I think He's, he's a solid crew. It's a, it, this certainly is, to me, this feels like a filler crew. You got a bunch of games on a Saturday, Sunday. You need to spread out some crews. You know, who can you roll out there? You can probably do a lot worse than Reese Davis and John Crispin, but nothing about them calls out to me like, hey, this is the, this is the next great crew um, to, to call games at ESPN. Eric. Well, a lot, a lot of times we see them uh, during the week as Reese is hosting game day. This feels like, and Reese just re-signed with ESPN, by the way. Yes. Uh, just signed a deal. That was news that came out this week. So Reese is a phenomenal host, right? I mean, a fantastic studio host has done a phenomenal job taking over for Fowler on the football side. He hosts the basketball game day version. Um, I actually think he's a good football play-by-play guy. If you've heard him call, remember he called the famous uh, Hale Perriman uh, against East Carolina in 2014 on Thursday night. I thought he was great on the Thursday night slot. And the stand-back trick play. <laughs> the stand-back trick play. I miss him on the Thursday night. So from a play-by-play standpoint, I actually think football is his sport, and I wish they would put him back on the Thursday night slot. I like him there. Uh, basketball does feel weird. It feels like it's one of those where, like, Reese is like, look, I don't want to be in the studio the whole time. Can you give me some games? All right? I'm negotiating that into my deal. Give me some basketball games to call because I don't want to be in the studio all the time. And I wouldn't be either if I was in Bristol. So – I think that feels like that. Crispin is rather new. He came over from the Big Ten Network. If you remember, he was the analyst for the Houston-UCF game on ABC. Likes to talk. 
Uh, some people were critical of that. I don't mind it as much, but he's definitely a basketball junkie. Uh, he's actually, I think he's great in studio. They've used him on that college basketball live show, which is kind of a hard show to wa- to follow and find because sometimes it airs after basketball games at like 2 in the morning. But he's actually really good as an analyst in studio. And I think he's going to probably, we're probably going to hear him, if I had to guess, I think he's going to be a part of the American cover, uh, basketball coverage in Texas here in the next week. That's just speculation on my part. I haven't gotten any official word on that. But based on the fact that he's done some American conference games, I think he'll be in the in the picture. But I think he's good. But it is a weird team. I think it's just one of those, hey, we got this random night. Let's just do this game. And I think Reese feels like, look, in part of my deal, I just want to do some basketball games to keep me happy, basically. All right, so uh, let's talk about the last ESPN crew we're going to talk about is Kevin Brown and Dan Dockich. And uh, certainly Dan Dockich is the name on this list that uh, garners the most attention, uh, especially given his uh, recent uh, uh, Twitter spats uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, and this is a guy I liked initially when he started. And, you know, he was paired with Mike Tirico, and uh, I think Tirico knew how, how to work and handle, handle him. Um, as Dockage has gotten more notoriety, you know, especially from his uh, ESPN show out in the out in Indiana, in Indianapolis. Easy for me to say. Um, you know, he's he's one of these guys who is definitely uh, wants to get on Twitter, engage in basically you know rock fights with people, and you know, I think the more notoriety he's gotten, the more irritating he's become to listen to as a basketball broadcaster in my opinion kevin brown i think decent play-by-play guy uh but it's definitely he's definitely overshadowed in this pairing um let's get your thoughts on this one uh let's start with you adam yeah, tough time to be pro Dan Dockich, right? <laughs> um, which is lucky because I'm actually not pro Dan Dockich. Uh, he actually first annoyed me. He got in a, a famous summer league NBA game spat with, with George Sedano of Miami fame over whether or not Eric Spolcher was a good coach. And I think he said Nate McMillan was like, you know, a top five or top three coach and Eric Spolcher was like top 15. So as a Heat fan, I, I took that sort of, sort of personally. I also think it's complete hot garbage. But um, he just strikes me as a guy who wants to say the, the – the outlandish thing to get the reaction, the response. Um, I don't know how much of it he believes, how much is stick. I did initially his first couple of years in, obviously he was an Indiana coach for a while. Uh, you know, obviously being, being a coach there has a, a lot of stigma to it. You know, he worked under Bob Knight. So there was always some sort of curiosity there. He's not afraid to be self-deprecating, which I appreciate it. I think he's just turned into a bit of a sideshow. Um, and it's hard to separate some of his, his other commentary and some of the things that he does both on Twitter and the radio show from his basketball stuff. Uh, so I, I haven't really been pro Dan Dockage since that Sedano spat. And uh, luckily he's proven me right more and more as he continues to use Twitter. Uh, so maybe that's an object uh, option. Curious to see what ESPN does with him. You know, he's got some interesting comments about some, uh, some folks at Duke, um, uh, you know, and, and ESPN's quote unquote, very concerned and quote unquote, it's under review. Curious to see if there's any sort of uh, uh, repercussions from that situation. Um, Kevin Brown, I like Kevin Brown. He kind of strikes me as a sort of, this is going to sound really condescending. I don't mean it that way, but kind of a, a poor man's Jason Benetti. He does some college football. He does a decent job with that. Um, obviously, he does some college basketball. Um, he's, he's not a guy that, again, is going to uh, wow you with his play-by-play intellect, but he's solid. Again, he gets you in and out. Uh, he, he sets up his partner. You, you got to give him a bit of a plus one for working with Dockage. That can't be 
easy. Um, so it's hard to really gauge this crew because I think whatever whatever stink Dockage has, you know, kind of wafts its way over to Kevin Brown. So it's hard to separate those two. Um, so curious to see what Kevin Brown would be and could be with a different uh, different color guy, but not a not a Dockage guy over here. Eric. So it's funny you bring up the the the, the, the Twitter fights and everything. I was one of those people that have gone at it with Dan Dockich on Twitter. Adam, you probably remember this. Remember the Heat and the Pacers during the Big Three era faced off in the playoffs, especially in the conference finals, and it was heated. And, and Dockich, obviously, as you mentioned, you guys have mentioned, is an, a radio host in Indianapolis. And he was, you know, waving the Pacer flag and making, you know, take, taking shots, and I bit into that. So we went at it. We went at it on Twitter during that time. And he, of course, he gets all the Indiana fans on top of me. Just, you know, he's just a, and it's just like, why are you getting involved with me on this? Like, I I don't understand. Now, we kind of buried the hatchet a few years later because if you remember, he called the NIT quarterfinal game between UCF and Illinois. Um, So we actually, when I was the producer at Tuck and O'Neill, I booked him on the show and he was fantastic. Uh, from a basketball mind. Uh, Jerry O'Neill's a Hoosier. He was an Indiana guy, so he knew Dockage, and, you know, they just they hit it off. And Jerry was happy, which is, as a producer, as long as the host is happy, and you know this, Jeff Allen, I mean, worked in the industry. If the if the host is happy, then that makes the producer's job has been done well. Um, and Dockage was fantastic, and I would book him uh, every so often to talk Pacers. I remember Andrew Luck when he retired. Now, he called out Luck a quitter and caused a lot of stir there. So, it's unfortunate because when he just talks basketball, he's fantastic. Him and Mike Tirico, if you remember, when they were with Tirico doing the Big Ten games, were fantastic. And I think it's because Tirico knew how to rein him in. The problem now is, you're right, I think Dockage's ego has kind of gotten out there. And I think he's got himself in trouble because he's now he's kind of trying to be a radio personality while being the analyst. And I'll be curious, as Adam has brought up with some of the issues that have come up, how long is it, you know how long is that going to last? Um, so I have mixed feelings about it. I had my own experience with him. I think he's fantastic as far as talking basketball straight up. Unfortunately, sometimes he gets too over carried away with stuff. And, and Adam Bright, I remember specifically that Sedano episode as well, where he throws his two cents in there when he really shouldn't. He's not an NBA guy, but he decided, oh, no, I'm a basketball guy. I'm going to throw it in there. So it is what it is. Well, it was, it was also that Sedano thing. It was the condescending nature of like, well, yes, certainly yes. George didn't play. I get it. Right. But it was like, there's no way you can be right. I coached, I know better than you. And, you know, Sedano was just plugged into the heat teams. He was there day in and day out doing stuff in 790, all that stuff. I mean, he, he had a good opinion to understand how good a coach Bolster was. Right. And, and the fact that Dockage was basically like, shut up, you don't, you don't play. Um, I think that just kind of epitomizes to your point, the ego factor that, you know, perhaps has just gotten more and more out of control as time has gone on. All right, so let's switch over to CBS, and we're going to do CBS a little bit differently because they do a lot more mixing and matching throughout the course of the college basketball season. Of course, a lot of their coverage is on the CBS Sports Network, but the one consistent they have a couple of consistent teams, and the, and the best one is uh, Andrew Catalan and Steve Lapis. In fact, they have actually parlayed their CBS Sports Network uh, duties into more games on the big network and they are part of the uh, the March Madness rotation as well for the first uh, weekend of games. Uh, we talked about Andrew Kettle on a lot during our football thing as uh, Eric mentioned he is a 
poor, unfortunately, saddled with so many Jaguar games, but uh, he has persevered nonetheless. And uh, and again, he's a an outstanding play by play guy. And I like Steve Lapis a lot. I think he's got the a great sense of humor. Definitely knows X's and O's. You can kind of hear him coach a little bit when he, when the, when the game's going on, when the guys are you know not moving with the ball or stuff like that, and you got to get out there on him, stuff like that. Um, I think this is a, a, a tremendous uh, a tandem. Eric, let me get your thoughts. I agree with everything you said. Now, I, I did forget to mention this about Kevin Brown. Uh, I think he's solid. I think you're going to see him in the American Conference tournament paired up there so you'll get your wish adam about him not being with dockage i think you're going to see him in the american coverage there uh as i think he might be the replacement for adam amin as far as the american basketball championships but we'll see we'll find that out next week uh, as far as catalan and lapis i think they're fantastic i'm glad they're used in the ncaa tournament coverage at least i hope they do they have in the past i think catalan is fantastic in basketball i think he's fantastic in general and I think Lapis is solid, and I think they work well together. They've worked for a long time, going back to CBS Sports Network, obviously, doing a lot of those games. I think they're really solid. I enjoy their games every time they're on. Uh, Really, really pure, and uh, I I hope for good things for Catalan. I think Catalan actually probably should be higher up on the CBS crew as far as basketball is concerned. Adam? Yeah, Catalan's fantastic. We talked about him in the football show. Uh, just solid broadcaster, does this stuff. Lapis reminds me of Fran Fraschilla with a personality, right? I mean, he, he's, he knows basketball. He knows X's and O's, but he's, you know, to your point, Jeff, he's got a little bit of like a one-tenth of a Vitalian nature about him, but he's also got sort of the, the chops to, to talk X's and O's. So he's kind of like Fran Fraschilla with a personality, kind of similar to that group with Wachusen and, and Fraschilla. I, I kind of think that these two is kind of in that same mold, Solid broadcast, good broadcast, entertaining. Um, you know, you you know you're you know you're in for a good show when these two are on. Um, you know, w- what their what their future at, at CBS and and holds is interesting, obviously because we'll talk about these guys later. But CBS has a tendency to roll in some of the quote unquote bigger names during tournament time that maybe don't deserve those seats hot take coming soon um so it's curious to see you know where, how, where these guys continue to slot in through the future of that uh, of that turner uh you know ncaa contract all right i, I need to get a hot, hot take sound alert uh sounder for, <laughs> for adam there all right so uh next team uh, that i want to talk about is carter blackburn and pete gillen uh I think Carter Blackburn is a is an excellent play by play guy in his own right. Uh, Pete Gillen, he's a little more sticky, you know. Gotta let the big dog eat, you know. Is kind of his Carter, uh, Carter, yeah, that's a great two three zone there, Carter. They go the three zone tone. <laughs> there we go. We got impersonation class going on tonight. Um, you know, uh, but Pete Gillen is pretty entertaining uh, for the most part. Uh, maybe could be a little less stickish, but uh, but again, uh, this is not a, to me not a, an objectionable crew to listen to. Um, Adam, your thoughts? Yeah, I, so I take Gillen as as much as you may call it sticky. I think he's just that excited about basketball. Like he just strikes me as a basketball junkie. Whether or not he was sitting, you know, courtside watching a game or sitting in his man cave watching a game, I feel like that's probably what he does. And he just turns the microphones on and does it at that point too. So I don't take it as over the top as sticky. I take it as a guy who's really excited about basketball, a guy who really loves the game, sees certain things, and is like, I got to talk about this. And you know, obviously, to Eric's point, the rest of society 
society may not be really excited about a good matchup zone, uh, but but he is. And so I'm good with that, right? Because I, I do feel like it comes across genuine. Um, you know, Carter does another great job. I mean, he's kind of in that same older broadcaster where, you know, he, you go through a game and you don't know who's calling it. And to me, that's a good thing. You don't know who's who is calling it because it's solid. It's consistent. You don't have to check your phone and see who the play-by-play guy is. Uh, I think Carter does a great job. And again, I like Gillen. I think he's, I think he's genuine. So uh, I appreciate that on a broadcast. I don't think it's shtick like, like a Walden or like a Vital. I think that's kind of what you would get at a, you know, 7 a.m. coffee shop on a Wednesday if you ran into him getting a bagel asking about the game last night. Eric? Well, Jeff Allen, I don't know if you know, but the, you know, the UCF's going to play a zone defense here. You know, <laughs> Carter's a good guy of mine. He's a good friend. You know, play to Brian. Uh, um, here's the thing. I don't know if you guys have this thing. Every time I see them and I hear them, I have flashbacks to UC, UCF and Conference USA days. Don't you? I mean, I feel like they call, they were the voice of Conference USA basketball back then, and they would do every, like, Memphis game. Um, you know, because for a long time, they were, they were the main guys for CBS Sports Network. And when UCF was on Conference USA, they were on there a lot. So I always have flashbacks to that every time I hear them. I enjoy – I've met Carter. There you go. Here you go. I don't get that. I've there met Carter before. He's a cool guy, down to earth, easy going. And I think Pete – Pete is exciting. I think he enjoy. He's a coach that enjoys basketball. And he just analyzes it. He's kind of Dick Vitale, who a personality, low key, uh, lower key that actually talks about the game. It's kind of weird to explain. Like he gets very excited, and yet he's analyzing the game, and he's got the voice that is very recognizable. You can do impressions. Uh, it's just a very interesting guy. He actually does good work. They use him sometimes in the studio on CBS Sports Networks when the March Madness is going on. Yeah, and he's, he's very there. good there. He's very good there. Uh, but I enjoy them. I hope they get NCAA tournament games. I don't know if they have. Do you know that, Jeff, if they have in the past? Um, on CBS Sports made Network? No, when, they, when CBS and Turner and all oh. that, I don't know if they've been a part of that package or not in the first couple days. I think Carter Blackburn's done some playback. I think Carter play has. Carter has. I don't, I don't think Pete's been part Yeah, of I think Pete's kind of been left out there, kind of, which is a shame. Uh, but nonetheless, I think they're very entertaining. I think they're very good. Yeah, I need to start using this every time Eric uh, says he knows somebody. <laughs> it works. <laughs> All right, so uh, and I'm going to go down just a couple of other names of CBS before we start talking about the uh, the March Madness uh, uh, broadcast teams that, that we think will be in play. Um, Tom McCarthy, uh, play-by-play guy, does the Phillies. And, and I can say this as a Braves fan, I can actually stomach listening to Tom McCarthy do a Phillies game, which – Probably speaks to how well he is as a broadcaster. Does a nice job with uh, with college hoops. And uh, uh, Adam, any thoughts on Tom McCarthy? I mean, nothing more than that. Solid broadcaster. I think he he does a good job. I, again to sit back and say, what was his most memorable call? I don't have that uh, because I just think he does a great job overall. Um, good broadcaster. You know, uh, he doesn't he doesn't ruin the experience for me, which is probably a low bar, but you know, the best compliment I can pay. Eric? Wow, wow. I'm still in st- That was like quick and brief and like uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in speechless mode. So Tom McCarthy <laughs> is a baseball guy. So it's kind of hard to think about him as basketball, right? It's kind of hard. And he does radio for them. Actually, Westwood won basketball in the NCAA tournament a lot of times. So he's very good. Who was the analyst again? Because I'm still in shock over Adam's answer. Oh, I didn't, I didn't uh, pair up an analyst. I'm kind of right, going through some individual names at this point. Yeah, McCarthy's fine. Who's the other name uh, that, uh, that jumps out to you there? 
Uh, so uh, other uh, other names from CBS, uh, Rich Waltz, former Marlins. Uh, See, I'm biased because I like Rich from his Marlin yeah. days. Yeah, so he, I, he should I, never yeah. have been let go by them, by the way. Amen to that. Agree. A thousand percent, yeah. Yeah, uh, I like him a lot. And, of course, uh, former UCF star Mike O'Donnell. Well, we're biased, but yeah, I we're, think he, we're yeah, we're contractually obliged to not talk bad about Mike O'Donnell. <laughs> but he is fantastic, and yes. and, I, and we haven't really discussed this, but one of the big pluses this no pun intended here uh, of ESPN Plus UCF games on ESPN Plus this year for the UCF home games is having Mike O'Donnell for the majority of those. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I think he's going to work himself up in the food chain there eventually, whether it be at CBS or other networks, but. Uh, I, I enjoy him. He got his start. You, you guys know this. He got his start on the radio with Mark Daniels on the radio side. Uh, so I'm really excited for him. And obviously we're biased. He's a great guy. So uh, you don't have to sell me on my, hearing Michael Donald talk basketball. And, you know, the other thing I would say to that effect as well is we know he's a guy that puts the work in, uh, yeah. you know, especially when you see uh, when he's on Twitter, you know, how he uh, interjects and things like that. Uh, Adam, I know you're a guy who appreciates the people who, uh, who do that hard work. Yeah, put the work in. He actually did, um, and again, this is probably more specific to us in the Orlando UCF space. He did like a live Twitter chat right before UCF season started. And he yep. was fantastic. He took questions. He broke down games. And obviously, again, when you, when you turn the mic on and say, hey, ask me questions, you have no idea what you're going to get, right? And he seemed like he was prepared. He had done the research. He had watched the film. Even at that point, I mean, we, we didn't know yet about Isaiah Adams. We knew he was a freshman. He was, he was heralded Mr. Basketball coming in. And I, I actually asked Mike a question about what it's was Isaiah Adams as a player and he gave like a five minute breakdown yep. of a yep. high school player coming into UCF who had yet to step on the court at that point uh, so again maybe more specific and certainly you can you can raise the bias flag over if you need to but uh, I think he puts in the work too uh, I think he's gonna have to get a little bit of a shtick though uh, maybe just a little bit to stick on the TV side uh, maybe you know, a catchphrase something just to differentiate himself I think he's trying to figure that out yeah, he's trying to figure it sure. out but he's still very young and I think he's part of that new generation I think once some of the older guys, like a Pete Gillen, retires, and maybe that's a guy that gets you know pushed up there. Have either one of you had him on the podcast, by the way? I have not, not no. had a chance to have him on yet. You need I to know, do that. Both of you need yours. to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We've had him on many a times. I'll never forget, we had him on on the weekend after they beat VCU. UCF beat VCU in the NCAA tournament. They played Duke. And we had him on for like an emergency podcast. And he broke down every situation, how UCF can beat Duke. And basically, to a T, he was de- dead on. And and he's so good at it. He's such a student of the game. Both of you should get him on. Just, first of all, not just talk basketball, but, it, you know, his career, which has been fascinating, oh, yeah. transferring from UCF. Uh, he's done the, he's done the you know, worked on the coaching staff, the administrative side, the broadcasting side. Uh, he does it all. He's a fantastic guy, and uh, I think the future's bright for him. But he's, uh, I strongly recommend it. We've, had, we've been fortunate to have him on a podcast uh, many times. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, uh, broadcasters for March Madness. Uh, I broke out last year's uh, list, I think, by and large. Uh, oh, I love most, this. This is most, it. I, most I of these it. will be pretty solid to return. Um, let's start with the uh, the A team, which is Jim Nance, Bill Raftery, and Grant Hill. Um, I think you guys know my opinions on Nance as far as you know helicoptering in to be the lead voice of the tournament when he does no college basketball during the regular season. I mean, I guess he comes in initially first for the Big Ten tournament to get a little warm-up act. But uh, to me, I think it's unfair that he is the A-team lead broadcaster. But 
it is what it is. Uh, you know, Bill Raftery, uh, you know, God, I love Bill. And, and, and he's a guy that pairs well with just about anybody, you know, during the, during the regular season, you know, he ends up working with, a uh, with, a uh, uh, Ian Eagle and Kevin Harlan and all those guys. Uh, and of course he does work with Fox with, uh, with Gus Johnson on the big East games. So definitely, you know, it was such a great story to see him finally become a, the, the lead analyst uh, uh, for March Madness uh, after all the years of, of toiling and all that, you know, and he's got his catchphrases and his shtick, but I think he interjects it wisely and picks his spots and does a really good job of that. And Grant Hill, you know, he was a, a little soft when he started doing uh, uh, tournament games, but I think he's, I think he's gotten better uh, over the course of time. Um, let's get your thoughts uh, on this uh, trio, Eric. Well, I'm a Nance guy, obviously. If you check my Twitter account, you'll see why. I'm a huge Jim Nance fan. He's one of my favorites of all time. I've met Jim Nance. Met him, as I mentioned, pre. there you go, got working. (laughs) Met him when uh, the American Conference Championship was held here at Amway. That was awesome. Um, I hear what you're saying about him helicoptering in. I think that's valid criticism. It'll be interesting if this is his last year calling it. His contract's up this summer. CBS just renewed Iron Eagle. And if you read an article on The Ringer by Brian Curtis, there's a lot of similarities right now to what's going on here and what happened 30 years ago with Brent Musburger and CBS, where CBS did not renew Brent Musburger. And Jim Nance took over for Brent Musburger. Could we be seeing history repeat itself? Time will tell on that. But at the moment... You know, obviously, I enjoy Nance. Him calling that UCF Duke game was phenomenal stuff. It, it made it feel bigger, didn't it? When UCF, I mean, that really made it feel like huge. Like, wow, Jim Nance is calling a UCF basketball game. And I don't think he ever referred to it as a Central Florida. If he did, it was very brief. Um, so I think he's fantastic. I always been baffled how it took so long for them to put Bill Raftery on the number one team. I didn't understand why they were obsessed with Billy Packer, who to me, was always boorish and, like, arrogant. I thought Rafter was always better. Granted, we benefited because I thought him and Vern Lundquist were fantastic together. But then CBS, if you guys remember, when Packer finally was done, they went with Greg Anthony. There was going to be Nance. for a while, too. And then Clark Kellogg, right. And Anthony had some issues that off the court, which got him out. You mentioned Kellogg. They did the Kellogg thing for a few years. And then they finally, it was after the Anthony situation where they're like, yeah, let's just go with you know, raftery. And it was like, duh. And then they're working great together. And it just was like, why did you guys just not do this at the beginning? It could have saved yourself a lot of headaches. So obviously I'm a huge raftery fan, although I will say, I mean, he's getting up there. And I think Grant, I I don't see him as the college guy. He does more NBA TV stuff. I actually think he's more comfortable in that than it is the college game. I get why they're doing it. Because there's that Turner, CBS kind of thing. They want to have a Turner guy in that booth. But I just don't – Grant doesn't do it for me on that scale. They were better – remember when they had Steve Kerr doing that? I think it was – was that with Kellogg? Yeah, I think so, yes. And that's why I think it worked. Kerr is phenomenal when he was doing commentary. So it's a good crew. It's a big crew. I get it why they do it. Um, And I think it it works. They make it work because Nance makes it work. It'll be interesting to see how long that lasts, though. Yeah, and as I throw it to you, Adam, I think I also find it interesting, uh, Eric, you brought up the uh, the Jim Nance contract negotiations. I find it very interesting that uh, on both March Madness promos and Master promos, you do not hear the voice of Jim Nance 
so I'm wondering if that's a telling sign of where things may stand. So a little conspiracy theory thrown out there by Jeff Allen right here. Controversy <laughs> stirring it up here. Yeah. Adam, your thoughts. Yeah, he wants that Romo money. Um, yeah, I agree with Eric. Nance is the voice that you know, and you hear his voice, you know something big is going on, right? Because you're conditioned to know that with college, uh, with, with NFL football, with the Masters. So you hear his voice, you know something big is going on. We can all agree this is his third best sport, right, behind golf and football. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, so, but I agree that you, you, you need that big voice. He's the signature in every, the CBS. It makes sense. I think Raftery is great. He, again, to use another Levitarian type of, uh, type of element. Um, if you, if you know Raftery, you get the show, right? And I think he's got some of these little idiosyncrasies that if you don't listen to him over time, laundry on the deck and onions and send it in Jerome. Like, if you don't know what those are, you're probably like, what the hell is he talking about? But once you're in on the show, you're in on the show. And I appreciate that about Rafter, that he's kind of been true to that. And I think there's probably some element that he's, you know, perhaps been perceived as a poor man's Dick Vitale because of some of that stuff. But I think he, he it's more genuine. I don't think he's doing it necessarily for shtick as, as much as maybe a Vitale is. And I'm not going to lie to you. When you sent me this list, Jeff, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I forgot Grant Hill's on that crew because I just don't associate these three together. I don't know how many games they call together in the regular season. I don't know if any, any of you know off the top of your head. I feel like I don't see these three together any time before the calendar hits March. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. They'll be on the Big Ten. Yep, Big yeah. Ten tournament is when they kind of join in at the last, they helicopter in. Yep. So I don't think of them as a crew. I, I almost, I almost don't think of them as as a as a as a three man operation. Uh, and it's not like against Grant Hill, but he doesn't really add anything to that booth. I think you could do Nance and Raftery me just as good as a booth. Uh, I know why you put Hill in there. He's a name. Went to Duke. Synonymous with the tournament. Well, and again, times. again, I think it's because it's a Turner and Correct, CBS yep. tournament. Turner wants at least a guy in there, and Grant's kind of that guy for them, basically. Yeah. I think that's why. But he doesn't add anything to the booth. He doesn't hurt, but he doesn't add something where you're like, oh, my girl, oh gosh, great man booth. I also think that a three-man booth in basketball is super hard to pull off. I think we, we underestimate or overestimate, I'm not sure the word there, uh, Van Gundy and Mark Jackson and, Mark, and Mike Breen on the NBA stuff because it's hard to put three people in a booth. Basketball moves so quickly. You don't have as much room to get in commentary. Uh, I think it's hard to put a three-person booth together, particularly when they don't actually work together more than, you know, what, six, seven, eight games a year so uh obviously it's it's the top booth and, and it makes sense why but i, I do think to, to eric's point there probably are some things you could do to improve it next crew we'll talk about is brian anderson and chris weber an nba crew from turner um i'm a big brian anderson fan i think he's uh, one of the top play-by-play guys there is uh very solid very smooth uh chris weber he kind of has his moments uh, uh sometimes he'll 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 nail strategy and other times he's he completely whiffs um oh, i don't know this is a crew that uh, i have mixed emotions about um, i'm very pro brian anderson chris weber i'm kind of somewhere in the middle on adam your thoughts yeah, here's going to be a theme for me for the rest of, I think, this particular uh, show. I, I just do not need the NBA guys involved in college basketball. I, to Eric's point, I know why they do it. I understand the synergy between CBS and Turner and Kumbaya. We're all one big happy basketball family. But you and I all know that Chris Weber is not watching any college basketball game outside of Michigan. And I even know if that's questionable because I don't know how he feels about Michigan. Um, he's not watching any college basketball game up until the time he gets his assignment for college basketball. And, and he just strikes me as that we just pick a name and 
put him in the booth. And I, I agree with you, Jeff. I don't know that he's a great um, explainer of what's happening on the screen. I don't think he's really giving you any sort of a, an inside look at, at tactics um, and, and sort of strategy from a coaching perspective. Um, great, great former player. He's okay on the NBA stuff because I think he relates and, and the players respect him. But from a college standpoint, he just doesn't have that credibility. Um, I just I just don't need the NBA guys in my coverage. I think Brian Anderson's great too. Also, probably more of a baseball guy, which you, you have a hard time disassociating with his work on on Turner in the postseason, his work with the with the Brewers. Um, but I just the NBA guys, and no disrespect to Weber, just, they just don't belong in the NBA, in the NCAA stuff. I just don't. I don't. It doesn't. I don't buy their uh, their inclusion. All right, and Eric, maybe you can correct me. Didn't Brian Anderson do some March Madness games before the Turner deal? Yes. Came into yes. Well, uh, well, here's the big, his big break. I'm sure you've read this. His big break was uh, the regional final, the year that Kentucky was undefeated with Carl Anthony Towns. That was, I think, the first year of Turner. Marv Albert was calling college basketball. To go back to Adam's point of all the NBA guys. Well, Marv... Uh, came down ill so brian came in and filled in to call that regional final game between notre dame and kentucky which was a classic game and that really put brian anderson on the map for basketball and since then he's been a big part of the turner family in that regard um i i every, i'm not going to comment more on weber because adam nails everything it nailed it exactly the only thing i would add is I include Charles Barkley in that. Like, can we? I it just it just drives me nuts every year when I see Barkley in the studio because you can just tell he he doesn't care, he doesn't watch it, and he doesn't care, and he tells you about it basically. He admits it. He, I don't watch you. Know, the only one that I feel like really tries and cares. I don't know if you agree with this, Adam. Is Kenny Smith? Yep, Kenny Smith. Yep. And he's the only one. He's the only one that I'm good with. Everybody else, it drives me nuts. Okay, so that's my last piece on that. Um, <laughs> so I want to focus more on Brian. Because I think Brian's a fascinating case. He is quietly becoming the face of Turner Sports. And it's going to be interesting as we move forward. There's been some chatter that he could be the heir apparent to Marv to call the NBA, to be the voice of the NBA, which has caused some controversy because there are a lot of NBA fans like myself that would prefer that Kevin Harlan be that guy or Ian Eagle. Uh, so Brian's in an interesting spot in that regard. He's a great baseball caller. I actually think he's better in college hoops than the NBA. For whatever reason, his style just fits better, in my opinion. But I think he's great. I'm interested to see, though, where his career goes because sometimes in this industry, if you're if you're used too much, if you get overexposed, people will turn on you. And I worry about that with him, that if they give him too much, if they put him as the voice of the NBA, that people will turn on him because they don't – they're not – the NBA fan is used to a certain voice, and I don't know if Brian fits that in the NBA – and that might be also in play in college basketball. Let's say Jim Nance is out of the picture. Does Brian Anderson enter the picture as potentially calling a Final Four in a year where maybe Turner's carrying the Final Four on their broadcast instead of CBS? That could be in play down the road as well. So that's what I'm very fascinated to see where how Brian's career kind of projects here moving forward. Yeah, you know, actually, if, if Nance did move on, it would probably bring about something I've always hoped for. I would like to see different guys do the final four each year uh, as far as the play-by-play role goes. So I think that interesting. Why expand on that? Why do you, that's an interesting, I have never thought of that. Why would you uh, want like different, are you talking about networks? You just want different broadcasters? Well, you know, with CBS and Turner sharing the package, you know, to me, it's like, 
you know, Ian Eagle's worthy of calling a Final Four. Kevin Harlan's worthy of calling a Final Four. I think it's, to me, it would be good just to give these guys that opportunity and that stage uh, versus someone who could helicopters it. Um, and I could see a situation where, where you know, if CBS and Turner continue this partnership, um, okay, it's Ian Eagle doing the, doing the Final Four when it's on CBS, and maybe it's Brian Anderson when it's on Turner. Uh, I could definitely see uh, uh, that potential happening. Speaking of Ian Eagle, um, you, of course, team with Jim Spernarkel, and, you, of course, the three of us have uh, talked ad nauseum about Ian Eagle during our football show and are all firmly in his camp. Jim Spernarkel, to me, is like one of those guys, when you, when you hear him, you know it's March Madness. Uh, he's one of those guys you hear in, in, the, in the first couple of weekends and certainly does a, a great job. And even though Ian Eagle is an NBA guy, he's also a college guy. At least he does you know, work the college games through the course uh, of the season on CBS. And I think this is one of their uh, better tandems. Eric? Yeah, I've heard Eagle and Spernarkel for many years. I think they're fantastic. But I, Eagle was great with everybody, though. Yeah. <laughs> like this past weekend, he worked with Raftery. I think it was the Iowa-Ohio State game. Yes. They were fantastic. They used to work Nets games together, too, I believe, uh, for a long time back in the day when Raftery did some NBA, which people may not even be aware of way back in the day. That's like Derek Coleman, Drazen Petrovic days. Um, look, Ian Eagle's phenomenal. Interesting that he resigned with CBS. I think that was a CBS move as saying, all right, Jim, if you don't agree to our terms, this is your replacement. And I do believe that. I think if Jim Nance for what – and I don't – by the way, for the record, I still think Jim Nance is going to stay at CBS. So let me just preface saying that. But if he were to leave and part ways with CBS, I think Ian Eagle steps right in as the voice of the NFL probably and probably Final Four uh, because I think Kevin Harlan does the – I believe he does the Final Four – on the radio and he does the Super Bowl on the radio for Westwood one. So it's an easy move there for CBS to move Ian Eagle up there. And I also think Ian Eagle should be the guy him or Harlan for the NBA, not Brian Anderson. So Ian Eagle at some point here needs to be the face of a sport and it's coming. It's just a question of when and where. And I think he is, phenomenal and I think it's just a matter of is it going to happen soon here if Jim Nance parts ways or is he going to be maybe TNT or maybe CBS maybe five ten years from now Adam yeah co-sign everything Eric just said I think uh if you uh if you don't know about Ian Eagle again I'm gonna the third Dan Lebertar show reference he was on the show probably about a month ago he did a, a, a uh, an appearance and he was fantastic just hearing him talk hearing his personality um you know he's, he's such a fun guy uh definitely self-deprecating I, I really enjoy his his wit and the way he brings um you know the way he brings sort of his personality but doesn't overbear it on a, on a, on a broadcast I, I'd also deposit this I think that uh, Ian Eagle and Jim Smernarkel are the best two announcer names since Don Cricky and Bob Trumpy. I don't know why. I feel like Ian Eagle I and love that. just need to be together. It's, yeah. do you, you said it, Eric. When you hear those two names, you're like, oh, March Madness is here. So, you know, same thing, you know, for, for me with, with you, Jeff. You hear Jim Smernarkel, you know what time it is. Um, you know, he, again, doesn't over, overpower you with anything. There's nothing I can, I can call a signature moment. But Eagle and Smernarkel together are just a solid crew. And you know it's March Madness when those guys are there. So um, maybe they're they are my second place team behind Cricky and Trumpy for uh, two, 
or two uh, broadcast names that you know just just fit well together and just sh- should never be separated. Loved by my Don Creaky and Bob Trumpy. Grew up watching them call a lot of mediocre dolphin teams. It was great sure. at NBC. Sure. I will say this: if we did a draft. And, and let's say Nancy, I think I think Ian Eagle, Bill Raftery would be the choice, and I don't think they would even need Grand Hill. I think they could do those two alone for the final four. I really I do. There you go. I would definitely agree with that as well. Uh, Kevin Harlan, Reggie Miller, and Dan Bonner. Well, we know Reggie Miller is going to be back because he's in these Wendy's commercials uh, promoting March Madness. So uh, that much we know for sure. Obviously, uh, you know Kevin Harlan is a guy who does both the NBA and the college and. Uh, again, we've talked about him plenty during the football uh, segment we did. Uh, Dan Bonner, he's probably very much like Jim Spinarkle. You know, you hear him, you know it's March Madness time. Uh, and definitely, uh, I think, uh, between him and Reggie Miller, obviously we'll have more knowledge of the college game. Uh, Reggie just kind of, you know, is, to me it's like he just kind of wanders in to be a personality. That's just, you know, and again, his his mark is there because of, because of the uh, Turner connection. Adam, what is your thoughts on that crew? Well, to start off with Reggie, just just replay my comments on Chris Weber because I feel the same about Reggie. Good bar, a broadcaster. Obviously, he's he's a great NBA player, but I just again, I don't buy the credibility from a, from a college basketball standpoint. Dan Bonner, I've always wondered this. Do either of you know is he Matt Bonner's dad? Does anybody know that, or did I make that up? <laughs> I've not heard that one, and I've covered the NBA and Matt okay. Bonner. That's the first I've heard that. I don't, I don't know. Think- I might have made it up. I just always felt like they were related. Um, I just had to ask that question while we're here. No, he's. An Another solid one. Again, the cool thing about CBS and having had the the tournament for such a long amount of time is the Spinarkles, the Dan Bonners. Those are names that you just synonymous with a tournament for you. Dan Bonner is one of those for me. Again, I couldn't tell you any one like one famous call he's made, but I know when I turn the TV on or I'm wandering around a room and I hear, you know, and now number seven Gonzaga, number 10 St. Mary's. And, you know, I'm I'm Dan Bonner. I know it's a big game. I know I'm going to turn around and watch the game. So I've always enjoyed that. Kevin Harlan, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I think the the article, I think I think it was the Athletic, did on him and sort of his remote setup and how quickly it came together. I think he was on Richard Deitch's podcast for that same thing. Um, I think that was fantastic. Uh, so much respect to, to Kevin Harlan. He's a pro's pro. Uh, again, Reggie, I could just I could do without the NBA guys in the mix. All right. Next, we'll talk about uh, Brad Nestler and Jim Jackson. Now. Uh, the, if if I had to pick any crew that may not be back this year, um, maybe maybe that would be one. I don't know. Maybe Brad would be back. Maybe Jim Jackson would not be. I know Jackson's part of the Turner connection. To me, this is a very odd pairing. Um, you know, Nestler, uh, obviously now the voice of the SEC on on CBS, but At least for two more years or how long? Yeah. <laughs> not for much longer. Um, you know, and this is just kind of an odd pairing, um, and hard for me to really. Gage, really, you know, obviously, you know, Nestler's a, a strong play-by-play man, did college basketball a long time for ESPN, so he knows what he's doing there. Um, I guess Jim Jackson also does, does Big Ten stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Um, does games on Fox. He's, he does, he does a lot Fox. of games. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, I haven't seen him much, you know, and, and we really didn't make a Fox list because I really don't think about Fox very much at college basketball. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Not a fan is of the Big East basketball. Is there a bell for that too or no? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, Eric, give me your thoughts. Um, the whole Brad Nestler thing is so bizarre to me. They bring him in to call the SEC. They can't figure out a way to how to use him in basketball. Like, he's really good at basketball. Like, for many years, he called the games with Jimmy Dykes in the SEC. Um, 
it's been really head scratching how they don't use him in basketball that much. And then they just pair him up randomly with Jim Jackson. You're right. It's just a very weird deal there. Um, I think Nestler will be back. I don't know if it'll be with Jackson or not. It depends on what their options are. Uh, I would think he'll be back just because, again, you know, they, they paid for him. So, like, I mean, he's probably making a good coin. And if you're Brad, are you kicking yourself? Because now you're going to lose the SEC package to ESPN. So what are you going to be calling in a couple years? Are you going to be calling Mountain West games on with Gary Danielson? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, um so he's kind of in flux in general. And then Jim, Jim's actually pretty good. I've, I actually do. I've watched a few Fox games. So he does it with Gus Johnson. Uh, he's pretty good. Uh, nothing special. He does some NBA too now. He's also, I think, in that Turner side. So he goes back to what we've talked about. That's that Turner synergy that, we're, that, that Adam has brought about. By the way, again, Kevin Harlan should be the voice of the NBA. That would be my pick. And also, I wanted to add on the Dan Bonner thing. Doesn't anybody notice? I feel like he yells at Reggie during the broadcast. Hey, Reggie, they're playing man. I feel like he calls him out like, Reggie, they're playing a 2-3 zone right now. Like, that, you know, I feel like he's yelling at him during the game. Maybe Reggie's sleeping. <laughs> I don't know. Adam. <laughs> um, so, I like Jim Jackson, and I'm going to make a shameful admission here. Um he, he calls the big three on Fox, which I actually found myself watching at times. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, sh- shameful admission here. Hope Is that because no Jermaine listening. Taylor? Is that Jermaine Taylor was playing? Is that why you got was watching that? Um, if that if that helps me out, then I will say yes to that, Eric. Um, so, yeah, I actually don't mind him. Um, I, I think he's actually a pretty solid broadcaster. Um Nestler is a, is an oddity. He's a professional broadcaster. He knows what he's doing. He feels a little bit miscast because I think you you think of him as the big voice of CBS and and, and the college football side of it. Um, yeah, this seems like a kind of one of those eeny meeny miny mo who's left Cruz, and you sort of figure out oh we got these two guys. Okay, they seem good enough. Let's put them together. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know how much longer they're going to be uh, they're going to be part of uh, you know part of CBS's plans. But I actually like Jim Jackson. I'm curious to see if he's got a future with uh, with with them with Fox. NBA stuff, who knows? All right. Next crew, uh, another three man boost Spirididas, Steve Smith, and Wally Zer- Zerbiak. Um, you know, Spirididas, uh, you know, again, CBS utilizes him during the regular season. Um, and of course, he obviously he's a longtime NBA play by play guy. Uh, Steve Smith, I've, you know, he's, he's, grown on me quite a bit. I like his work. And Wally Zerbiak to me is a, is, is, is a great, uh, this is great for him because, you know, I like to see these guys who labor in the studio at CBS Sports Network who put in the work and, you know, and to see Wally Zerbiak get the chance to uh, not only call some March Madness, he moves into the Atlanta studio uh, for the second weekend, at least he did last year. So it's kind of nice to see those guys who, uh, who put the work in. Uh, and and I, I like what uh, Wally Zerbiak brings to the table. Uh, Adam, what's your thoughts? Uh, quick update, uh, Matt Bonner, not related to Dan Bonner, so I can I can officially <laughs> confirm that for you. Uh, on on this crew here, so I, I'm sorry, I have to sidebar this. So I love Steve Smith. I've loved Steve Smith as a player. I've still never recovered for the Heat trading him for Kevin Willis. Uh, I, I, I still have a hole in my heart from that trade. Amen Kevin to that, Willis, brother. Preach. Like, 
Kevin Willis was just a, a, a miserable nightmare for the Heat back then. Um, those elbow pads were totally out of out of out of sync. I don't think that was necessary. Um, I think he's one of the NBI guys, though. You, you mentioned this earlier, Eric. You said with Kenny Smith. For me, it's it's Steve Smith is the one guy that I can buy the crossover into the college game. He's he just not overbearing. I think he's a pretty smooth broadcaster. I feel like I don't remember much of Wally as a broadcaster. You know, Jeff, to your point, because he he's only there for that one weekend, transitions into the studio, and I think he does a good job there. So I guess that's a good mark for me to say that he doesn't do anything that makes me go, oh, my God, why is Wallace Zerbiak here? Um, and Spiro Adidas is just a professional. I think he's got a smooth voice. He's done, he's done hoops for years. He did Lakers for years. He obviously does football as well. Um, so I think it's a, you know, it's a hodgepodge crew. It's against one of those crews you have to put together to, to, to sort of acquiesce to the number of games in that first weekend. You could do a lot worse than this crew, though. Uh, so I don't, I don't mind when they're on the call. Eric? Well, but the beauty of those two in particular is they also do NBA games together sometimes on Turner, uh, when, especially when they expand the playoffs, NBA TV, things like that. Uh, I'm a big Spiro fan. I like him. I like Steve Smith. I'm a diehard Steve Smith fan. You had to bring up the Kevin Willis trade of that debacle. What that are was, we doing there, Eric? Let's do a whole show on that one of these days. That right? was called the pre-Pat Riley days. That was we, we had no idea. Nobody knew what the heck they were doing. Um, that was brutal. Oh, man. Oh, that makes me cry. Um, Serbiak's good in studio. You're, I, I, yeah, I don't remember him as the third guy. Maybe, maybe because he didn't. He let Steve do most of the talking. I'm not sure, but I actually do like them as a crew, though overall. All right, and I guess so. Uh, the other question I have to ask myself is, how did I get sandwiched between two Heat fans? Uh, <laughs> and we we gave up Grant Long in that trade too, who was our glue guy. Our I mean, glue guy, yeah. He wasn't gonna, you know, stat stuff for you, but he was gonna take like three charges a game, get eleven rebounds, and and score four points. And you know, we gave up him and Steve Smith for Kevin Willis. My word. Were they try- Yeah, that was like when they were. Were they trying to pair him up with Cycli? Was that what it was? Like their big plan was Willis and Cycli up front. And then, I assume, right? I, I assume that was the that was the idea. Cycli then, then they traded Cycli for Billy Cycli Owens. Was gone. Yeah, Cycli was gone for Owens, and, <laughs> and which which didn't work out. The point forward thing never really no. worked out back then. So sorry, Jeff. We're way off topic. So. I got I, I, I've got two words for you guys to start heat podcast. I <laughs> oh, say I don't want to talk about current heat. I want to talk about old heat. I, that's that's where the, that's where the fun's at. Current heat, they'll be all right. Jimmy Butler will figure it out. All right. Uh, we, so we talked about Andrew Cantalon and Steve Lapis earlier. The other uh, crew rounding out the, uh, the 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 Turner CBS allotment: Carter Blackburn and Debbie Antonelli. Uh, we talked about Carter Blackburn a little bit uh, earlier as well. Debbie Antonelli, while I think she is very knowledgeable, and uh, yes, UCS is going to win this basketball game. If I know they fell behind there while we were doing the show here. Um, Debbie Antonelli, I think she's very knowledgeable, but I think she subscribes to the Mike Golick Jr. School of Broadcasting where she doesn't take a breath. She's constantly, constantly talking. I think she could uh, step back a little bit and let the broadcast breathe a little bit. Um, Eric, let's get your thoughts on Carter and Debbie. I agree with that. I think that's fair. Obviously, Debbie gets the opportunity. I would have liked to hear a Doris Burke call a college basketball NCAA tournament game. I think she's fantastic. Uh, But I understand why they didn't pick her. They pick with Debbie. Debbie does a lot of basketball with Beth Mowens on the women's side. I think they're really good together. Actually, I'm surprised that they haven't gone that route 
maybe let Beth Mowens and Debbie work an NCAA tournament game and make some history that way because I think they're great together, actually, when they call women's basketball. But that's how they do it. So, But everything you said is, is very well said. I do want to point out, Adam, you notice every time we record with Jeff, our favorite teams win. That's what yeah. I do. You know, I there you do. go. Just throwing that out there. I bring yeah, the I'll get you. I'll get you a schedule, Jeff. Um, yeah, Carter, I think is fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I've only heard Debbie a handful of times. Um, you know, I certainly think she brings some good insight to the game. I think that's that that's fun. I, I would love a Doris Burke type of thing. I'm not sure if that would work contractually. I know ESPN timeshare Jeff Billis for a while or Jay Billis for a while. I'm not sure if they would do the same. Oh, uh, that's a good Doris. one. Remember that? I was yeah. back with the oh, yeah. great Dick yeah. Ember. That was really, yeah. really put Jay Billis on the map, I would argue. Yeah. yeah, well, I think once he signed that contract with ESPN where he became the number one, that's obviously when he precluded the, the CBS stuff. Uh, so I don't know if Doris has that same sort of deal. I, I think she'd be a good broadcaster. Uh, again, I think, you know, Debbie's fine. Uh, again, I haven't heard enough of her. Um, you know, but I, I, I applaud CBS for finding some new voices, finding different voices, at least, you know, being progressive enough to, to search out different voices and different perspectives. Um, I think that's uh, definitely admirable. Um, you know, obviously probably just a, a situation where she needs a little bit more, a little bit more chops, a little bit more run at, at some of those games. But um, I think it's a, it's a solid crew when they're on. It's not something where you turn the you turn the sound off and watch the radio broadcast. Yeah, you know when you when you brought up uh, Jay Billis again, I thought I always found that fascinating because you know I know ESPN wants him as their number one guy, but why wouldn't you want him on March Madness? Because Jay Billis, even if he's on CBS or Turner, you're still going to think of him as ESPN. Well, now, technically, it's worth pointing out, Billis calls the Final Four for ESPN International broadcast. Yeah. So I think that's part of it, too, is he kind of gets rewarded on the back end. Uh, so I, I could see why they wouldn't do that. I do wonder, though, to your point, you know, like I would like to see a Fran Fraschilla call at NCAA tournament game. You could plug him in, like what, what you know, stuff like that. I, I think there's they should be more like that instead of using NBA guys. Now, we're not going to get our wish because as long as Turner is a part of this, NBA guys are just going to be a part of it, unfortunately. And it's annoying, but that's just the way of life. But I would like that to me. I would I would like to see that. You know, that's kind of why I've always been hope, hoping that ESPN would somehow get a piece of the NCAA tournament because I think you would see more sharing in that scenario. Well, I think if you're ESPN, and I'm not a contract negotiator by trade, but if you're ESPN, you know, maybe you get you get more highlights that you can run, right? You get more insight, you get more exclusives, right? Obviously, CBS controls and Turner controls that package. You know, I think ESPN only gets to run, I don't know, like 30 seconds of highlights or something like that. Maybe you work out a deal where, hey, take Fran Fraschilla, give us another 30 seconds. You know, I think you, you could find a beneficial win-win uh, for some of these guys for ESPN. I get why you don't want to do it exclusivity, you know, only hear our voices on our network. Um, but I, I wonder if there are some synergies there that could be found at some point. All right. Let me go wild card here on, uh, for, you know, cause there's been a lot of talk about, you know, the NBA guys doing the college stuff. So I want to get each of you to give you an opinion on what you think of Ernie Johnson sharing the hosting duties with uh, Greg Gumbel. Uh, what do you think about that? Adam, you first. Yeah, it's so tough to disassociate Ernie from Kenny and Charles and Shaq. I mean, that is the gold standard of, you know, pre-post game shows. They're doing, they're running promos now. They have some sort of inside the NBA sort of special behind the scenes documentary that I think will be fascinating to see. They're running some snippets of it on social media, which is really cool to, to talk about. And they talk about kind of the connection between those guys. And it almost feels weird, like taking them out of that environment. That, that's their ecosystem. That's their home. That's where they belong. 
That's where they're fantastic. I think it's so hard to replicate that elsewhere, particularly with a, with a new set, a new studio, a new set of circumstances, and frankly, subject matter that they probably don't know as well. Ernie pulls it off because he's a broadcaster and that's what he does. I will say he's better at that than he was calling baseball. I love Ernie to death, by the way, but his, uh, his postseason baseball calls were a little shaky there. Um, so he pulls it off because he can do that. But I'd, I'd prefer just, uh, and I'm also the guy, by the way, who when I eat my food, my food doesn't touch each other, right? My, my mashed potatoes don't touch my chicken, don't touch my peas. Same thing. I don't want my college guys touching you know, my NBA broadcast. They're, they're fine on their own. Keep them separated and I'd be totally fine with that eric a gumble to me that's his strength is the studio host right now i I think he's better now at this point in his career better as a host than a play-by-play guy and i think he i mean i watched him on sunday i think it was when cbs had like a quadruple header and it felt good again like oh greg's back in the studio it's big time here um i don't mind ernie sharing it I get it. Again, it's this Turner CBS deal. You're going to get that. Of all the things, Ernie's a host there. It doesn't bother me at all. I'm fine with that. I They have addressed the whole baseball thing by, by promoting Brian Anderson as they should and putting Ernie back in the studio. That's where he's, he's a natural. He's an Emmy Award winner uh, as a host. And um, so I have no problems with that. So I don't have an issue with them sharing that because it is a long days and shifts and things like that. So I actually don't mind them sharing that as much. All right. So, uh, guys, this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I've learned a lot, especially that Adam likes the big three. Big three hoops here. Oh. <laughs> it's entertaining. When you got, the summer's on, there's nothing else going on. I've always thought the NBA, by the way, a sidebar, the NBA should extend their season. They would own the summer months, right? They would own June, July if they extended their season. But I'm stuck watching the, you know, the New Orleans psychos play the you know, Sacramento voodoos and trying to figure out you know, how the hell Olden Paul needs gained so much weight. So. Just that's just my life. I'm sorry. All right. Well, <laughs> wow. This is. Uh, I feel like we need to have like a a, a meeting with Adam and just have, surround them with a bunch of friends. Bring Mike along and just say, "Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be all right there?" I mean, <laughs> you like don't want to bring you don't want to bring Mike for that. That's not, that's not his <laughs> comfort. Is not his strong suit. <laughs> There you go. Well, speaking of Mike, so uh, you know, since I can't pay you guys, I get at least let you promote your stuff. So, Adam, you go first. Yeah, so uh, I am the co-host of the Sons of UCF podcast. We're out uh, on all of your uh, all of your favorite podcast platforms, typically on Tuesdays. Uh, most recent episode dropped earlier today with uh, former UCF receiver Marlon Williams. Got uh, past interviews with Trey Nixon, Jacob Paris, Greg McRae. Uh, so check all that out. Again, search Sons of UCF wherever you get podcasts and all your social media stuff. And then Thursday nights on the interwebs, myself, uh, my party UCF Mike, and then the world-famous Trace Trelco, we bring you UCF Live, our sons of UCF Live, excuse me, where we have newsmakers and we have some interview subjects and uh, we bring Trace into the fold. Uh, you can find that eight to nine Thursday nights, wherever you find consumable, downloadable content. All right, there you go. And uh, Eric, please promote uh, all the all the endeavors you have going on. Uh, that's, a, that's a lengthy process here. Uh, <laughs> so I do obviously cover UCF for Black and Gold Banneret. Go to that site. We do a weekly podcast. Myself and Jeff Sharon and Brian Murphy uh, do the show there. Uh, we do it weekly. We cover all the UCF sports, Olympic sports, football, lots going on in the football side things. Cover the NBA. I covered the Magic and the get post-game audio there. 
as well. And of course, I am the vo- I call UCF softball on ESPN Plus. Uh, and you are doing a fantastic job, by the yes, way, sir. Eric. Yeah, let, me, let me pat you on the back. You are uh, your calls. <laughs> I've caught a few of them. Uh, really well done, man. It's it's awesome hearing you and seeing you kind of on the big screen of ESPN Plus, man. Congrats. I appreciate that. That means a lot. It's been awesome, and really the credit to the, a lot of feedback on that. And the fans have been great about it. The players obviously they helped that. Aaliyah White just broke the wins uh, all time record for UCF, so a lot of my calls got called used because of that. So that that helps there. But that's been a blast calling the games on ESPN Plus. Certainly encourage people to check out not just UCF softball, but a lot of the Olympic sports going on on ESPN Plus. Baseball. You got soccer, volleyball. I mean, it's got it all right now, as well as obviously basketball throughout the year. So, uh, doing that, a lot of calling that on ESPN Plus as well, and then uh, cover UCF. So, yeah, pretty a lot of different hats. I host a softball national podcast, so uh, depends on the time of day. I got a lot of different stuff going on, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, the hardest working man in show business, that's for sure. So, uh, <laughs> guys, thanks so much for being here once again. We will do. What if we should do this again for uh, maybe the NBA, and we'll definitely do baseball. Man, we're going to have a lot of de- uh, debates on the baseball side. Holy smokes. Yeah. we got to figure out how to do a list for that one, too. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, That could be interesting in its own right. Well, again, Adam, Eric, thanks so much for being on the show and uh, lending your broadcast opinions. Always appreciated. It's always thanks, one of Jeff. my favorite shows, man. Thanks, Jeff. And we'll be right back with the TV theme to close things out right after this. No Republicans, no Democrats, no team from Washington, no team with a star on the side of their head. We don't even talk about alpha and beta storms around here. And if you believe all of that, I have a bridge to sell you in Brooklyn. Captain and Company in the morning, join me 9 to noon. Weekday mornings on OldSchool101.com because class is always in session around here. Virus or no virus. A short and effective TV theme from Blue Bloods, a police procedural drama that's been on CBS in September of 2010, now in its 11th season. Main characters are members of the fictional Reagan family, an Irish-American Catholic family in New York City with history in law enforcement, starring Tom Selleck as New York City Police Commissioner Frank Reagan, other prominent members of the cast, including Donnie Wahlberg as Detective Danny Reagan, Bridget Moynihan, former ex of Tom Brady, as a district attorney, assistant district attorney, I should say, Aaron Reagan, Will Estes as Jamie Reagan, the younger brother who is a uh, sergeant with the uh, uniformed crew, Lynn Carriou, who plays the, the patriarch of the family, and who was also once police commissioner. He plays Frank's father. And uh, ironically, Link Harry was only a few years older than Tom Selleck, but he plays somebody who's 20 years older. Uh, Amy Carlson was uh, on the show as uh, Linda Reagan, Danny's wife. She was killed after, after season seven. And Sammy Gale, who plays uh, Aaron Reagan's daughter on the program. Uh, one of my favorite TV shows that I like to watch week to week. Blue Bloods on CBS, our closing TV theme for today. And with that, we are done here. 
Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at JeffAllen underscore 88, on Facebook at JeffAllen88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer's Salve is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.